As you prepare for retirement, you'll be faced with many important choices. We want you to make the right ones. Welcome to Financial Choices Matter with Charles Scott. Charles is an accredited investment fiduciary. He's well-equipped to help you make sound financial decisions. We want you to experience a meaningful retirement. On our podcast, we believe financial choices matter. Well, hello again, and welcome into another edition of Financial Choices Matter with Charles Scott, fiduciary advisor at Peloton Capital Management. Charles, good sir. How are you this week? I am great, Mark. Thank you for asking. Uh, no problem. You've been doing well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know what is it. Yeah. What's the old What's the old saying? If I was any better, I'd have to be twins. I think uh, I've said that before. Yeah. But I, you know, I if don't I was know. any better, I'd be Charles Scott. You know, kind no, of. No, no, you no. That's no. But I don't. I wish that on no one. <laughs> Well, ask, as my, ask my wife. Okay. All right. Well, as always, I appreciate your time, uh, as do our listeners as we talk about investing, finance, and retirement. Charles has been featured in Forbes, Kiplinger, Yahoo Finance, and more, and a great resource for you. So if you are currently not subscribed to the podcast, please do so. Certainly appreciate it. You can find it on Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeart, Stitcher, various other outlets. Simply search Financial Choices Matter. That's the name of the podcast. Or you can find it right on Charles's website, PelotonCapital.com, not the bike, PelotonCapital.com, P-E-L-L-E-T-O-N, Capital.com. All right, my friend, let's uh, let's dive into this week's show. I've got a couple of things I want to run through for you, but I'm going to kick it off with uh, income taxes since we are <laughs> heading that way, right? We're into, ah, yeah. we're into February, so um, who really pays <laughs> income tax in the U.S.? So with national elections, you know, we got those coming up in November. You know, we've got very, very different opinions out there right now about what's going to go on for who's paying what and tax rates, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's kind of tough to kind of get some straight information. So why don't you break some stuff down for us? I sometimes feel bad talking about taxes, but there, you know, it affects everybody. So let's, in this context, get the straight story. And this is who really does pay the taxes. Okay. And I think this is interesting. I, I read this and thought, it wasn't even remotely close to what I expected. So this comes from the Congressional Budget Office and the IRS. So I'm not citing some political cronies gotcha. fact sheet. Okay. Uh, there were 141. This is from 2016 taxes. All right. So we're, I'm, I'm going to give you some data points, but I think they tell a significant story. Uh, 141 million taxpayers filed taxes in 2016. So if you took that, let's call it 140 for simplicity's sake. 140. If you took that, if you took that 140 million and you divided them in half by who paid, who paid the most, the top half, and who paid the bottom, who paid the least, the bottom half. Okay, so mm -hmm. you just divide it right down the median there. What percentage of all the taxes paid were paid by the top half? That's uh, a hmm. I had one uh, guy say, yeah, it must be the old 80-20 rule. Uh, know, I was, was I was going to say, well, okay. So I must be understanding your question. Right. I was going to say probably 60-40, but. Okay. Okay. The top 50% paid 97% of all the income tax paid. Woo. Wow. The bottom, the bottom half paid 3%. Okay. So when politicians are saying, let's tax the wealthy, that's what you're doing already. So don't trick me. You know, that's exactly what it is. Okay. So in the top half, you're saying that is obviously higher income earners. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. You're filing a tax. You're filing. And I, there's a couple of other statistics. In fact, the top one percent of all taxpayers paid more than the bottom ninety percent of everybody else. Hmm. Well, I mean, so that would stand to reason, right? I mean, you, yes, if you're just yes. doing it based on the yeah. dollars, sure. Yeah. 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 Totally. That's exactly it. 
you take the top 1,500 tax returns okay. paid more than the bottom half. Wow. So how do we get so how do we get so skewed then in these conversations? Is it just just media uh, bias or? I, I'm not going to go to yeah. I well, I just think <laughs> it's people 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 use the facts they want to use, which is not all the facts that are out there. And well, so yeah, they're going to yeah. craft they're going to craft the fact or they're going to ignore the fact and and tell their story. Well, any, any, any narrative can be driven by really any way you want to go, right? I mean, yeah. you, what is that old saying? Theoretical physics can prove that an elephant can hang off of the side of a cliff to a, with his tail tied to a daisy, but your common sense brain says no. Yeah, no, <laughs> so, no, yeah. same kind of thing. Uh, right? Yeah, I would be, hate to be the daisy. Exactly. Um, yeah, my roots would be really sore. <laughs> Okay, but that I mean, it's still very interesting. So we definitely hear this quite a bit, obviously. And so when we're talking about, you know, who's really paying the taxes, you know, clearly the tax cuts are, well, I mean, I, again, I said that's a viewpoint, I suppose, but, you know, clearly that seems to be working. Yeah, well, that's where, the, that's where the taxes come from. Right. Top wage earners. But that makes perfect sense in a progressive tax system like we have. Exactly. But you can't just keep they're already paying all the tax. Nobody ever says, let's cut spending. Oh, there's a concept. Well, yeah, exactly. Uh, I know. I know. But that's that's not their narrative. That The narrative is, let's just tax the wealthy, which they're already figured out. That's what they're doing. So, you, if you, but, you know, you got to use, no one's even ever come close on the what percent of the top half and the bottom half. No, I was way off. Yeah. I Well, no, the closest anybody came, and I was shocked that he got there, was 90. And I thought, now yeah, that's really close because everybody is in that you know, 62 thirds range. It's just right. not that it's just hugely, you know, hmm. and the top, the top, like I said, top 1500 pay, not all of it, but just giant chunks of it. Giant it's, chunks of it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a nice problem to have. Well, as we're, if you're, if you're the taxpayer that has that much. Right. But, right. Yeah. It's what is that? You see old saying the person is the wins the, uh, uh, the lottery says, you know, the the pessimist says, oh, great. Now I got to pay the taxes on this money versus the optimist who says, wow, I just want all this money. You know, <laughs> well, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Is my cup half full or my cup half empty? Yeah. Well, yeah. as we're starting to do our taxes, getting into tax season, uh, maybe don't feel so bad then if you you know owe a little bit or uh, what, I guess what you deem a little bit or a lot of bit is going to be different yeah. from person to person. But either way, so that's pretty interesting stuff. All right. So there we go. Well, um, I guess we could factor that into our, our alternate topic as well, which is really how to account for the emotions inside our financial plan. Uh, taxes is a big piece of that. So, you know, uh, of the financial plan, I mean, tax, obviously taxes are emotionally. I think we all have the same emotion. Ugh. <laughs> if you don't, I don't know what you, what you're drinking so, right, or, right. Smoke, or smoking. Or even something. Know. Yeah. But, uh, you know, when we go to factor in emotions in the financial plan, what typically do you see? You know, often Charles, when I talk to folks like yourself, I, I use my brother as a Guinea pig and I throw him under the bus because I'm 48 and he's 61. So he's right there in the, uh, in a lot of my, our demographic uh, for our show's wheelhouse. And uh, he lives in on the fear side of the emotions. Typically, those are the two, fear and greed. But, I mean, this dude, just yeah. he just planted his flag firmly in the fear camp. And you got it exactly right. It's fear and greed. Those are the two driving ancestral emotions. And fear is twice as powerful oh, as Oh, man, yeah. Greed. It wreaks havoc you know, on mean, him, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's really crazy. The challenge with that is, I mean, when people call me up, you know, what are the, you know, the people, the mistakes people make a lot of the times is just like, get me out of the market. Mm -hmm. I say, okay, I can do that. But I, you've got, there's a, there's a flip side to that. When do we get back in? Cause it just gets <laughs> right. you out of the market. Right. You know, I mean, seriously, get me out of the market because it had 
three days in a row that were crappy. So what? You know, tell me when you're going to get back in again or I won't do it. But if you haven't thought it through and know when you're going to come, you want to get back, then why am I getting you out? Because I don't think you need to. So we have that conversation a lot. Lately, not so much, but there was, you know, end of 2018, fourth quarter, there was a little dicey and we had some conversations with some people. I said, hey, I'm happy to do it. We can certainly lighten the load a little bit, but, you know, you, but you've got to tell me or, you know, put it in writing and tell me you can get back in whenever you want to. Well, I'll take you out today and get you back in tomorrow. No, I wouldn't do that to them. But right. you know, it's you've you've just you've got to have a you've got to have a plan that's a comprehensive plan that takes into consideration the fact that just because it makes you uncomfortable doesn't mean it's a bad thing. Um, well, so it's so we're talking about emotion. Let me kind of give us some uh, context to it. So, for example, uh, obviously, you know, he was one of those folks in in nineteen. You know, was I think it was May we started to have it, or maybe it was right before May. There was it was a downturn. It was a bit. Of, it started to look a little whatever for a little bit. But nineteen was very rocky, right? It would go down. It would go up in huge swings. At the end of the year, it wound up obviously being an up year, a, a quite a good year for the market. But multiple right. times he would come to me and go. Every time it was having a dip and go. Oh, I think I got to get out. I'm really because I said again, he's sixty one. And now also also to frame this, he lost everything in the 0809 issue. Right, he lost all okay. of his stuff. Now he's fifty-one. Then now he's sixty-one. Obviously, ten years right. has gone by, so he's much, much more concerned with you know little fluctuations now than he ever was before. And so, fast forward here to the last couple of weeks at the time of this podcast taping, we had about ten days in a row where it was beginning to slide. But for example, I think we went from like twenty-nine-four on the Dow down to around twenty-eight-two. Uh, at the time of this taping, it's gone back up again. But yet again, he came to me going, well, it's it's sliding every day now, so I really need to jump out. And I'm like, dude, you have got to stop riding this roller coaster this way, right? Well, yeah. I mean, it's uh, the thing that, that freaks people out, and it's true to some degree, is I've always used the analogy, it's like walking up the stairs. You hit a landing, and you're going to turn and go on up farther. Mm -hmm. So you go up, you, you get to the landing, you make a right-hand turn, and you go up a few more steps. And it's a little slower, you know, it's slower going up. But if you trip and fall back to the landing, bang, that's fast. Right. It, the market goes up way slower than it goes down. Oh, yeah. When it goes down, it goes down in a flash, and it freaks everybody out. The reality is... Just unless there's a compelling reason, get back up and start walking back up or never get out. Just stay there because when you look at longer term trends and you have to pay some attention to that, mm -hmm. if it if it's not bad, just overcome the emotion. But it's hard to do. No, and it, it is. Yeah. There's sometimes when mo emotions are really important in some of the de the financial decision making okay. process you make. Well, give us, a, know, give us you, some examples. OK, uh, you've had a passion for a cause. You want to do socially responsible investing, mm -hmm. you, you know, uh, whether it's clean energy or it's wind or it's, you know, fossil free fuels. There are lots and lots of investment options that are out there for that now. It gotcha. used to be called socially responsible investing, SRI. It's now called ESG, uh, environmental sustainable and governance, mm, okay. you know, companies wow. that are companies <laughs> that are, yes, yeah, ESG is easier to say, yeah. uh, uh, but companies that are paying attention to the environment, you right. know. Climate change is a, is a reality, but that's been going on. And scientists have reported about it, started reporting about it in an article that I read a while ago, somewhere back in the old 30s. So we've known about it for 80 or 90 years, and we've done nothing for the right, most part. Right. So if that's a, a very hot emotional issue for you, then you should be working with somebody that can offer that to you. We're doing, we've been doing a lot of research. There's things that are out there. I just, I just recently bought water for a, the vast majority of our clients. To me, that's going to be the 
the, the, the most important natural resource that exists. That's going to be the rarest commodity in the world someday. Hopefully not, but it could be. So, you know, we're paying attention to it. No, that's, 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 that's a great point. That's a, posi- that's a positive emotion. Right, right. Well, and, I, and maybe that's the difference, right? When, when if there are times when you're wanting to factor, or we should factor in emotions into financial decisions. Hopefully, they are on the positive side versus the negative side. Now, you went with a really cool idea there with passions for a cause. First thing that hit me when you started to say that was something just as if you're bringing it back home is something as simple as what to do with the homestead. Let's say it's where you raise the family. You can definitely have that emotional conflict of it might mathematically make more sense to downsize, but maybe your heart says no, and you got to start to factor that in. As an advisor, when you're working with somebody, you you still have to take that into consideration, clearly. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You have to let the emotions be a part of the conversation because if you don't, then you're going to, you're going to lose the essence of, of who your client is. Right. And, and that's vitally important to us. But you've got to build that around something then that makes, you've got to blend math and emotion and have it work so that it truly does work for them. Most advisors don't miss the math part. A lot of them, I think, miss the emotional oh, part. That's a good the point, personal yeah. part of it. Yeah. Because math is not always the answer. We've seen... Well, depending uh, on who you are, right? You could be... So a lot of people get into advising and, and things of that nature because they're good at math. They're analytical. Yeah. 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 Oh, very much so. Yeah. That's That was what drove me in the first place into this. It just made... Math made sense. But, you know, that, that then it evolved over time that it's... But you've got to fit the math to the person. Yeah. And you've got to understand what is important to them. And we've taken it to the point where we give them five or six things and tell us these are all outcomes of a, of a financial plan. Prioritize them for me because then I'll create the plan about around what you want, not what I want. What stock I buy or a mutual fund someone buys, who cares? I mean, it's don't buy stupid stuff, but <laughs> that's there's that's profound. I know. Um, you heard it here first. <laughs> yeah, that's right. If you didn't know it, don't now buy you do. stupid stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but it's got it's it's got to fit who you are to what you want to try to accomplish. And yeah. this could be, you know, and it's that's certainly an emotional thing. Yeah. So yeah. you bl- you blend the two together. It's the left side of your brain and the right side of your brain. Well, you kind of you kind of answered my question because I was going to go there. I was going to say when you guys are constructing plans and working with new clients or potential clients, are you uh, aware of the emotional component while letting the math, you know, I guess maybe lead the way? I don't know. You tell me. I don't know how else you're supposed to do it other than that way. To me, that's the only way. Okay. Because, I mean, we honestly, we've had show people the math and our experience has been sometimes they just lock on some fact that gets in the way of them making better choices Mm -hmm. going forward. Because it's like, oh, I have this much. I can retire now. Okay, great. And we had a dear friend that retired from Microsoft. And my question to her was, you have enough money. What are you going to do the rest of your life? Right. She didn't know. Hmm. And it made the retirement component of that very complicated. We see it all the time. Mm-hmm. You've, yeah. got, you've, you've got to blend both of those parts, the okay. math and the, and the emotion, the left brain and the right brain. They, all right. They, they do different stuff. <laughs> yeah, well, my, it's like my wife and I. You know, I'm I'm a creative, and she's an analytical. You know, and so yeah. we uh, we clash, but then we also work well. So, uh, you know, I she gets the math, and I get the people, that kind of thing. You know, so that that's uh, Sherry and me too. It's yeah. exactly that. That's, there you so. go. And I think sometimes we can tend to look for that. So hopefully that resonates with some folks out there today listening to our podcast. So we kind of discussed a few interesting topics when emotions kind of can factor into the financial plan, and of course. Taxes as well as we touched on that. So if you heard something that piques your interest, 
or uh, triggered a fancy there and you want to learn more, you have some questions, want to have a conversation, reach out to Charles at any time. Please, before you take action on anything you hear from this show or any other, uh, always talk with your financial advisor or begin to work with one so that you can see how it affects your specific situation. Charles is a fiduciary advisor at Peloton Capital Management, and you can reach out to him at 480-513-1830. That's 480-513-1830. If you need to talk immediately, you just call him anytime. Or if you want to just subscribe to the podcast and continue to hear our fun little bits, uh, go and check him out at pelotoncapital.com. That's pelotoncapital.com. P-E-L-L-E-T-O-N capital.com. Subscribe to us on Google, Apple, Spotify, and all that jazz. And you can send an email question into the show if you'd like. And that's how we're going to end this week with Frank in Tempe. He's got a question for you. Do you have something you want to say? No, I just got to tell I want to know what Frank wants. Well, here's what Frank says. He says, Charles, I rolled over a 401k to an advisor a couple of years ago, and he put all the money into something called American funds. Is that okay? Or do you think I should be looking at other things to invest in? Well, Frank, don't take this as an insult, but that's kind of the way it's intended. Shame on you for not knowing, for Pete's sake. It's your money. You should know what the heck is going on. Mm. It's not the American funds. It's just that you don't know. You need to ask. They need to be explaining things to you. You need to know why you're doing what you're doing. Yeah, what's I'm the purpose gonna, of the why did you know, did he did he explain yeah. that to you? Why am I putting you in American funds? Well, here's why, kind of thing. Well, I know I know why, but that's a whole nother story. Right. Um American funds are omnipresent. They're everywhere sold by brokers. Uh, and you know, that's not a bad thing. I'm not saying that. You just need to understand what they are and what they do. Here's the deal with American funds. They're a family of mutual funds. They're out of LA. They're, they're huge. They're in almost everybody's 401k plan. They've been around a long time. They do a really reasonably decent job of investing the dollars. I, I can't say that they're terrible at it because they're not. Okay. But here's the issue. They also have billions and billions of dollars. So here's what happens. When funds get that big, then there's a limited number of things they can invest in. And if you wanted to own their funds, you probably shouldn't own more than two or three and try to make them as different as possible because even though they have different names, they still invest in the same stuff. I was a regional sales manager for America's oldest family of mutual funds up in the Northwest, and I know how funds operate. There's something called stock overlap or stock intersection, and that means running an analysis of what funds own the same stocks. And you will find that in American funds. And with any any family of funds, once they get big enough, this happens. And that is, they all own the same stuff. Gotcha. So you could have you could have eight different funds that are gonna, if you take the top 10 holdings in those funds, they're gonna be virtually identical. Yeah. Because if your fund is big enough, there's only so many stocks that are out there that you can buy without what we used to call the elephant in the bathtub. If you start buying or selling one particular company stock, and let's just say it's a company that doesn't trade lots of shares every day, you're going to distort the values. Yeah. So, sure. you know, the elephant gets in your bathtub, it's going to splash water out. Uh, <laughs> that, that, that's the picture that's that I a always given. have in yeah. my head. So you need to know, you need to know what's just not only what the fund is, but what's in the fund. And if you're going to own several of them, you're going to run into the thing where you really don't need to have five that buy the same stuff. Buy, have one of them 
and then have another one that does something completely different. Yeah. It's not correlated to that. Well, I'm going to, so, I'm going to come to your defense just a hair here, Frank, since Charles beat you up just a little bit, but <laughs> uh, you know, look, you do, you definitely do need to advocate for yourself. It's a lesson we were just teaching my daughter who's in the Navy right now. And she went and did something and didn't bother to advocate for herself with her superiors. And, and now she's going to have to, you know, deal with that, but she's learning. But so even though a, a lot of times we do hire an advisor to uh, help us with, you know, the nuts and bolts, you don't always have to know all the nuts and bolts by, and I don't think that's what Charles is saying, but you do need to have at least an understanding of what you're in and why you're in it. So uh, would you agree with that, sir? Yeah, absolutely. You kind of need to know what questions to ask. You don't need to necessarily know the answers to them already, but you also need to kind of understand is yeah. that a reasonable answer that I got? Yeah. So uh, great question. Thanks for sending it to us. Glad that you're thinking about it now. You know, reach out to Charles, have a conversation. He's really nice, as you can tell. Uh, so <laughs> he won't beat you up if you come in and chat with him. So I'll, I'll ask questions. Like, why you'll ask really do you think that was a good idea? Yeah, but. absolutely. If you if, if you want some straight talk, come in and see Charles uh, at Peloton Capital Management. And uh, we appreciate your time, as always, here on Financial Choices Matter. Thanks for tuning in. Go subscribe. We'd appreciate it. Apple, Google, Spotify, so on and so forth. Charles, my good friend, have yourself a fantastic week. I will see you in a couple weeks. Ditto, Mark. Ditto to you. Take care, and we'll see you next time right here on Financial Choices Matter. Financial planning and investment advisory services are provided by Peloton Capital Management Limited, a state-registered investment advisor. Past performance is not indicative of future results. No one should assume the information presented here serves as a receipt of or substitute for personalized individual advice provided by Peloton Capital Management. For more information, visit www.pelotoncapital.com.